Hello, everybody. Welcome back to In the First Degree. I'm Colton, and I'm here with... Adam. How are y'all doing today? How are you doing today, Adam? I'm doing okay. Doing okay? That's about it. Yeah, yeah. I I apologize for all these podcasts coming out at random times. Really, it's kind of... Schedule is trying to really make it... Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It kind of makes it a little bit hard to be able to get it out like on a regular basis because I have like other priorities, and so. But I'm 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 trying. I'm trying. It's not. I'm trying to get these. (laughs) But yeah, so we have an interesting story for y'all today. Um, I guess let's let's get right into it. You think so? All right, here we go. So our story starts with. Maria Elizabeth Ridolph. She was born on March 12, 1950, in Sycamore, Illinois. Her parents being Francis and Michael Ridolph. Michael was a factory worker that made a modest living, bringing in what would be around $850 a week in today's standards. So, a modest living, yeah. Maria was the youngest of four siblings, having two sisters and one brother. They were a religious family, having attended church on a regular basis. Maria, at the time, was in second grade at West Elementary School. She was a bright and outgoing student, having been able to make friends pretty easily. Her best friend and neighbor, Kathy, was a year older than her, so Maria was seven and Kathy was eight. They both attended school together and continued their friendship outside of school, going to each other's houses to play. Maria could oftentimes be loud, easily scared, and would immediately begin screaming if she started to get anxious, being mainly scared of the dark. So, you know, kind of like your... Average. Your normal kid. Yeah. Yeah. No signs. Yeah. So, Sycamore was your standard small town, having been consisting of only around 7,000 citizens. Everyone knew each other. So because it was the early to mid-60s, everyone possessed kind of a false sense of security and would leave their doors unlocked, which I don't... I just... I couldn't imagine that today. Like, leaving your doors unlocked, like having that just like, oh, it's safe outside. I mean, there's a lot of places that do that. I know. I know people that would do that. Yeah, it's just, it's so hard to imagine that, like, today, with, like, so much crime going on, and... I I don't think the crime has really, it might have increased, I think it's just been dispersed. Yeah, well, like, with the news, and everything, you hear a lot more, it's a lot more easily accessible to you to be able to hear all these stories of, like, oh, this this break-in that all these, like, crimes happening, Mm -hmm. and a lot of them being, like, break-ins or anything, so... Just, like, for me, it's hard to imagine, like, just feeling that safe to be able to just leave your when front door this? unlocked. This was the uh, early 60s. Oh, they don't, have, they don't got no ring cameras back then. No ring cameras, so they had a lot of trust in people. I mean, back then, you, you just let your kids out for 12 hours. They'll magically disappear yeah. alive in one piece. Ugh, I couldn't imagine not living without technology, you know? I think that was <laughs> – I'm not sure when it started becoming a thing, but this is before the – like Stranger Danger and all that came out. I think so. Maybe. Back when you could send your kid to get your cigarettes. Yeah, kids would just walk to school all yeah. the time by themselves. Like parents had that much trust in Two like, miles the community. uphill on the way there and one mile uphill on the way back. <laughs> yeah. So really the worst thing to have happened in Sycamore at the time was an un- unknown person writing obscenities in chalk near to where Maria and Kathy lived. This was really, like, the only problem that they had. So A little bit of vandalism. A little bit of vandalism, but that's about it. Uh, one morning on this, in December of 1957, the pair, so Kathy and Maria, walked to school together. Maria's brother typically watching after the two as they made their way. So they had a little bit of a chaperone. Um, after they'd gotten out of school, they went to Maria's house to make craft snowflakes, at considering it was it was in December and Christmas is coming, so again preparation for the holidays. When did we stop doing that as like a community? I don't think I've ever seen like 
a kid and make anything from like paper. Like, what's the last time you made some snowflakes from cutting of a piece of paper? It's adulthood. It <laughs> is. Well, even now, I know like families got kids along those lines. I I don't see them doing that. I don't know. That's now an they got iPads. Thing. They might be doing it in. Well, that's that's true technology. They might be doing it in like school, but we just don't know. Do schools have arts and crafts still? Probably elementary schools. Most most likely elementary elementary schools will have to. Did did we have one? I yeah, don't remember having one in. I, I remember in, making this like giant snowflake, like in I don't know, like third, second or third grade. You had a different but, experience than I did. I just remember having a math class and a science class, and that's about it. The only arts and craft I did was like at church to entertain. Oh yeah, kids. church church d- does a lot, and they were church kids, so they probably oh, did yeah. uh, crafts at church. Um, at 4.15 p.m., two other girls had noticed a man, so not, not Kathy and Maria, had noticed a man staring at them and immediately became spooked hiding in a restaurant until he left. When they went back, they saw that he had gone, but left behind were pictures of nude women on the road. So yeah. he just left them? He just, I guess. He just, like They were just scattered on the road. Naked women. They did the smart thing, though. Go to a high, highly populated area. Oh, yeah. A stranger danger, didn't they? Was this a small town where like everyone knew each other? S- small town, yeah. Everyone, oh, okay. Everyone okay. knew each other. So, strange man. Strange man. Yeah. Ugh. So, after dinner, Maria had called Kathy asking if she was able to play outside with her that night. Kathy was granted permission by her parents to go play. So, she dressed up in warm clothing, uh, fresh out the dryer... And made her way out. Both met at the intersection of Center Cross and Archie Place. There, a big tree was planted where kids would have used to play on. The two played a game together where they would have to hide from vehicles as soon as they saw headlights to avoid them. Like, I remember doing that as a kid, like going to, um, not necessarily like hiding from the cars, but where my uh, grandparents live they have like kind of like a big yard and so i would race the cars like up and down the yard like as a kid so this is a smart one in the family apparently this sm- you know what <laughs> it was a way to entertain myself yeah cause... like apparently a lot of people i realized this when you're driving in the car did you like look out the window and like imagine a shadow person like doing oh my God. that i cannot have an original experience like <laughs> it is Yes, I've I've done that before, mm-hmm. and like a just a person who's like doing parkour. Yeah, you even all use along, your fingers like, every now and then. Yeah, yeah. You done that? Too. That Ugh, I'm not original. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I have experienced that. But later on, a young man with lightly colored hair and a high voice approached them. He asked if they were having fun. He introduced himself as Johnny, that he was 24 years old and unmarried. Why do you bring feel... that up? Like, he's talking to the kids, right? He's talking to a seven and eight year old. Hey, I'm single. What's good? I'm 24. I'm not married. Why are you bringing that up to random kids? And did kids not know about, like, don't, I guess the stranger danger thing wasn't a thing. Yeah, you'll hear you'll hear later on. What was the they, setting in this? Where were they? They were at an intersection, uh, where just not too far from their houses. Okay. Um, where like a a tree is like a lot that kids would play on. Yeah. So it was a common it was a common place for kids to play on. It was a on. hangout spot. Yeah. So just a random man just up and introduces himself like, "Ooh, I'm 24 years old. I'm I'm married." He offered them piggyback rides. And asked if they liked dolls. Both said yes, but only Maria had accepted the piggyback ride. So he had given it to her, and once the two were done, Maria ran back to her house to grab one of her dolls to show Johnny, leaving Kathy alone with him. While alone, he asked her if she wanted to go walk around the streets or get a bus ride. So, hmm. Hesitantly, she stepped back and said no. He then told her that she was pretty. 
gross. Regardless, she believed uh, that he had more of an interest in Maria, him giving chilling stares to her. Whenever Maria got back home, her mother was reading a newspaper while her father was watching TV. Maria wanted to bring along one of her favorite dolls to show Johnny, but her mom insisted on her taking a rubber doll instead. So she joined back up with Kathy and Johnny. Kathy wanted to go and get some mittens due to the cold and asked Maria to come with her, but she declined and wanted to stay with Johnny. So the older ones wanting to go, not liking them, or do they both like kind of... So Kathy's getting a little bit of an uneasiness. Mm -hmm. Like even as a little kid, she's like, ooh, this is weird, this is weird. But I guess... I don't know, Maria is, like, excited to maybe, like, oh, this is a this is a new friend. Uh, and Maria didn't bring up any of this to her parents, I'm guessing. I don't think so. I don't think I don't so. I know my parents, like, why are, you, why are you bringing a doll? Things along those lines. Well, yeah, well, her mom made her, like, no, you're not bringing that doll. Just bring, like, an older one. Yeah. I guess, to be fair, she was playing with friends. So it wouldn't make sense. So, most likely. Yeah, okay. No, yeah, she didn't tell her parents about him. She mm-hmm. just wanted to get, grab a doll. So yeah, Maria just she didn't she didn't find anything wrong with this dude. Kathy, she was pretty quick on the uptake. Quick on the uptake, yeah. When Kathy returned, she found the two to have disappeared. She called out for Maria, running along the street, but couldn't find them. Kathy ran to Maria's house and ran into Chuck, Maria's brother. She explained to him how she couldn't find her friend. Chuck and his friend set out to find Maria and went as far as to the school. A police car would drive by them, yet they didn't signal them for help because they didn't understand like the gravity of the situation to come. Yeah, and like it's one of those things where... You probably just like miss. They probably just went walked around somewhere. Mm-hmm. That I, that's what they probably guess. Um, most likely, suspected. the friend didn't know they were with a a strange man, did she? Kathy. Yeah, they were supposed to meet up, and they just never. They weren't there or something. Yeah, she. So she probably like, oh, they're both gone. I somebody help. <laughs> Where is she? So I she she's probably like, oh, she, he took her. Um. But, let's see. How old was the older brother? I think he was thir- around 13. So the I think whole he was like an early teenager. Young. Yeah, it's a, pr- uh, a pretty young family. Yeah. Okay. So Chuck wasn't all too bothered, thinking that it wasn't actually that serious, believing that Maria would arrive back soon enough. But when looking, he had noticed the doll Maria had brought with her next to one of the neighbor's garage. So while the boys were out looking uh, for Maria, Kathy had told her own mom, Flora, about Johnny. Flora called Maria's mother, but her dad wanted to wait a bit before reporting it. This being because Maria already had a little bit of a history wandering off, you know, as kids do. Like, I had, I had a big history of wandering off. I actually one time had a um a Halloween festival like closed down because I wandered off from my mom and I ended up actually <laughs> going to the playground, but they shut off like the whole Halloween festival. Like we got to find this kid, but I was just at the swing sets. So so the friend knew about Johnny. She, um you just said that she talked about her friend um about it to her mom. Mm, the, uh, about Johnny and the mom told the other mom yeah so uh, Flora Kathy's mom called Maria's mom but her dad wanted to wait cause like oh she'll turn up eventually she's done this before yeah but not with a single 23 year old man yeah so I, yeah, yeah one thing, I so I don't know what yeah. he was thinking about if it was just like by herself I understand that just like kids wander off it's a small town mm-hmm. nothing unusual but if there was a, if she knew about the man, that would be kind of weird to not like, oh, this isn't good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So she actually had a history of playing in a cemetery and one time and returned whenever the neighbors were setting up a party to go search for her. What a <laughs> what a white person thing to do. But she wasn't white. She was um I think Latina? Um, Hispanic. Hispanic, yes. So Maria's mother didn't want to wait and drove to the police station at around 8 p.m. Police and volunteers would go around searching for Maria. One particular house they would ask information from was that of Ralph and Eileen Tassier, like a French last name. Uh, The volunteers needed flashlights for their search, and considering that it was nighttime, uh, they asked Ralph who was the owner of the local hardware store for flashlights. He opened, and other supplies. He opened his store and gave them what was needed. The Tassier family was not all that well known to Maria's family, even though they were not too far away neighbors. That's something you don't get nowadays. It's like, hey, we need help with some something or flashlights. Can you help us borrow some? You feel like a store owner. Mm-hmm. Everybody's so reserved to themselves. Mm-hmm. And you know nowadays, half of them, all of them are going to be gone by the time it's over. Yeah. People yeah. nowadays got sticky fingers. Sticky fingers. Uh, a family of nine, their oldest, John, was the child of a previous marriage, having been born in Ireland. Only John was not at the house at the time of the incident. Johnny? Right now, just John. Okay. His sisters always believed him to be their mother's favorite, despite having a little bit of a troubled past. The father would, so Ralph, would join in the hunt to find Maria, while the mom would help with supplying necessities um, for volunteers, like giving out food and whatnot. Yeah. Making sure it's going smoothly. Yeah. The day after her disappearance, newspapers were littered about the story of her being kidnapped. Descriptions of both her and her kidnapper were provided. It noted that he was wearing a bright-colored sweater with yellow, green, and blue stripes. Now, we're not all too clear about the time that she went missing. It's speculated to have happened at either 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. or kind of some time in between. Like the evening. Yes. Depending on which sources I pull from. As nighttime, as nighttime approached, still nothing was discovered yet. Her parents made a public statement making a plea to whoever kidnapped her to please return Maria and would also tell Maria to not worry that they would be reunited. Was this like the same night she did that? This was uh, the next day. Okay, so Or it's... the next or several days later, but probably the next day that they made the statement. It's moving at least, like, fairly quick, which is impressive. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Michael, Maria's father, grew to become angry with the press. Um, Them speculating the worst outcome. You know, like, oh, she's been kidnapped. She's probably dead and all that. Uh, He's like, no, no, that's my child. I don't, she's fine. She's fine. Like, don't think that. So, search efforts started to grow more and more. Aircraft would circle the surrounding areas. Every house would be searched, and volunteers would start carrying firearms. They got that. They got planes. They got aerial support. Yeah, this is like, it's a well-knit, uh, a tight-knit community. So, like, for something like this to happen, they're like, all hands on deck. That's just impressive. Yeah, aircraft. The FBI... So they got into this as well. The FBI speculated she might have now been out of Illinois. Like she might have been taken. Um, Even the current president at that time, Dwight D. Eisenhower, would check in on the case. So this had become like national news. Um, Wow. Pretty big. In fear of being targeted by Johnny as well, Kathy was placed under guard. Kathy would be shown mug shots of criminals and was unable to identify Johnny from any of them. Yet her mother pleaded with her saying that she is the only one who is able to truly catch him since she was the only one to have seen his face other than Maria. So she's there. She's there. Only hope to get a only hope really. 
Police would speculate that the suspect was from out of town, that no resident of Sycamore could have committed this, that this person did this only out of some per- perverted reasoning. In hopes of finding her, they had drained a lake and set up explosives in a quarry. How did you, you just... drain a lake? In the 60s? That's, that's a lot of work, I'd imagine, draining a lake. Big a tunnel? I don't Get a pump? Yeah. Get a lot of buckets. That would take a, a long time, I'd imagine. So, like, search efforts were huge. They're turning the to city upside down. Yeah. Three days later, a woman would call and told that a man named Trashner had fit the suspect's description. But no family in town would have that name, but they would soon turn to the Tassiers. The oldest, John, did fit the description, but his parents stated that he was in Rockford, about 40 miles away, where he wanted to enlist in the army. He had a different last name, though, wouldn't he? Because he was from a different dad? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think... Would it be Tasner? No, 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 no. That's his stepdad's name. I Cash... Cashner? I think his uh, original name was Cashner. Or something along that. Um, I can't. So John Kashner. John Kashner. It might have been Kashner. I don't know. Something around there. It started with a C. I know that for sure. <laughs> but yeah, so John had fit the description, but he was 40 miles away where he wanted to enlist in the army in Rockford. To support the alibi, phone records would be discovered and did confirm that someone had called from Rockford at 7 p.m. stating that it was John asking to be picked up. The mother would say that John was at home that night, but his sisters said otherwise. But they were looked over by the authorities considering how young they were, their age, like, oh, this is adult-like stuff. I would take the word over, eh, actually, no, that's a fair point. Six, they have like a family of what, like seven? seven nine. Nine? Nine. So you got eight children saying no and one adult saying yes. So no, six, his sisters, some of his sisters, I don't think it's, it didn't say like oh, all so of his sisters. Oh, so they just asked like a saying, couple of them. But yeah, a few of them were saying okay. otherwise. And that makes it a little bit of more his sense. Parents. Yeah. Now a week has passed since her kidnapping and hopes began to grow dimmer. The police now asking volunteers to keep on the lookout for flocks of birds in the fields that maybe they would be flying over what would now be Maria's corpse. Now the holiday season has arrived. And probably out of some like false hope or just maybe that a miracle would happen. Christmas miracle. A Christmas miracle, (laughs) yeah. Her parents placed her gifts under the tree as they've always done. Maybe that she would return to them and want to open presents. One of her presents was a typewriter, a present that she had been wishing for. But as spring arrived, the tree that Kathy and Maria had once played at would be cut down. So she never, she never arrived. And spring is here. Also, Months has passed. Would you get a four-year-old a typewriter? She's seven. Oh, okay, I thought. I thought she was the youngest. No. So Maria is seven and Kathy is eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. So on April 26, 1958, in the border to Iowa, a man, while searching for mushrooms, would come across what he thought was an animal corpse, but noticed a jacket, hair, and particularly a small human skull. He came to the realization that it might have been a small girl. At this point, the corpse had been almost completely picked over by wildlife, leaving just the skeleton. The man returned to his car where his wife was, and they immediately phoned the police. When was this? Like, how much longer afterwards? So, this is April. So, January, February, March. So, four months later. Okay. Yeah. It... So it was Maria, found around 100 miles away. The police and coroner arrived, but no pictures were taken of the body, um, probably out of respect for the victim, to not appear in any newspaper publication. 
cause yeah cause of death was not concluded Maria's mother had gone to look at the black and white shirt that the skeleton had on and knew that it was Maria. Dental records would also identify her. Around 300 people would attend her funeral. Decades later, the town being permanently changed and still the killer not being located, Kathy would never be the same, experiencing harsh feelings of survivor's guilt. Did they not solve the case? No, they couldn't find the they couldn't find the person. Like, so like, it it turned into a cold case. Oh wow! And so they were haven't been able to find the man, and so Kathy's like still reeling over this. Like, why? Why wasn't I taken? Why was I the only one? Yeah, left? yeah. Um, and it was also she also had like doubts like was I not pretty enough or was she prettier than me or something like that? Just like going through so many, just like different, like reasonings of why, like, why did I remain? Why was, why wasn't I taken? She would go on to marry a man named Mark Chapman. He knew of her background, but chose to love her. Nonetheless, they moved to Florida for a while and had three kids, but later moved back to Illinois. Florida is a completely different environment. Always hot. Mm-hmm. Like deep south. So we're going to kind of turn our uh, view towards John Tassier. Okay. So John Tassier was born on November 27th, 1939 in Northern Ireland to British Sergeant Samuel Cherry. So I was wrong. His last name was originally Cherry. 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 Yeah. Like the like the fruit. And his wife, Eileen McCullough. Growing up, John would always envision himself to be a soldier. Both of his parents served in the military, with his mother being one of the first female searchlight operators for the Royal Air Force in World War II. Good on her. Samuel had died early into John's childhood. In probably one of his only memories of his father, he remembered having been carried in the dark on a flight of stairs on the back of a soldier. Maybe it was his father giving him a piggyback ride. Piggyback ride. Eileen would go on to marry uh, another man, Ralph Tassier, in 1944, so about five years later. That's yeah. a respectable amount of time. Yeah. After the war, and along with John, they moved and settled into Sycamore. Uh, the two had six more children along the way. John was a peculiar child, and none of the other kids really knew how to take him. He was given the nickname Commando by the way he would wear camouflage pants and a wooden sword around like commander means some way different nowadays. <laughs> yes, yes, I'd, I'd imagine. Um, people thought he was clumsy. Others thought he was a manipulator. And to women, well, they thought that he was a sexual predator. John and his parents had informed investigators that on December 3rd, John was about... 40 miles away to enlist in the Air Force at the time of the kidnapping. John told that he was in Chicago on the 2nd and 3rd doing physical examinations that were required of him for the enlistment. During the morning of the 3rd, he visited the recruiting station and then spent the rest of his day sightseeing before returning to Rockford by train, arriving there at around 6.45 p.m. When he got back, he called his parents to ask for a ride home since he didn't have his car. Phone records would indicate that a call was placed at 6.57 p.m. by someone giving the name John Tassier, according to the phone operator. So, like, he has a little bit of, a little bit of an alibi, you know, going on. So back then, did you just, like, pick up the phone, 
the operator where you're like, I want to call this number or this person. And they direct you. Yeah. That's interesting. It's, that's, I'd imagine that'd be so tedious. So tedious I think to we do. still have that. Um, I think it's like 411 or something. It's like, we have a helpline, a national helpline. That's not emergency, but if you want to know, like, what time does Lowe's close today? And, like, if you're older and don't know how to use the internet, you would call that number. Oh. Is that true? I think so. I've used it, like, once, way back when. I'm not sure if it's still open. Way back when? Well, it's now 2023. <laughs> I don't know. We have the internet, gosh darn it. <laughs> you can search that crap. <laughs> so, after that call, uh, John dropped off his paperwork for his enlistment at the recruiting station. Officers did confirm that he had spoken to them at there. Uh, John had spoken to them at about 7.15 p.m. One officer did, however, find him a little bit sketchy. Like, just not really having, like, the right feeling about his him. His trench coat was just a little bit too big. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I way too big. Yeah. Um, he was brought in to take a lie detector test and had passed. In lieu of the results of his alibi, John was taken off of the suspect list and Kathy was never shown a photograph to identify him. The next day, he shipped off for basic training to Lackland Air Force Base. So, he's not a suspect anymore, but I just, I don't understand why they wouldn't show a picture of him to Kathy. You know? I mean, especially, like, the first couple days, I would have been, like, anyone even slightly suspicious. Mm-hmm. It's... Because they really wanted to catch this this. They the were draining suspect. legs out here. I think They're draining legs, but they didn't... It would have been a lot easier just to show her more pictures than it was to drain a lake. I don't know. I think just because there's, like, so much going on that they probably, like, just... I mean, happen me, to not do it, but I I'd imagine that's like just for the similar name I would have done it. John, Johnny, yes, yeah. Like, who is this man? That's like the first thing you do is like, oh, we like he went by like Jacob. Let's look up any one of his Jake, Jacob. Mm-hmm. Things like, like all the songs. J's. Yeah, like going through like a database or or like uh, what's that? What's that word called? Database. No, where they take like uh, a canvas of like the population of a town. What is that called? Census? A census. They could look at the census or something like that. Because, you know, they didn't really have technology that could. Or is that automatic? I don't know. I don't know if I've ever like been a part of one. I don't think I have either. (laughs) Oh, is that something I need to look into? I don't know. Um, John served for 13 years and obtained the rank of captain. Later, he moved to Seattle, Washington and graduated from a law enforcement cap- academy and became an officer in the town of Lacey. A police officer or a military officer? A police officer. Okay. Yeah. Well, he, he left. After 13 years, he left and then went to the okay. uh, law enforcement academy. Later, he moved to Milton, Washington, and was almost fired for inappropriate conduct. In 1982, he took in a 15-year-old runaway, Michelle Weinman, and her friend. He ended up taking advantage of Weinman sexually assaulting her and was charged with statutory rape and sentenced to one-year probation and was fired from his job. Hold up, hold up. You rape a, you rape someone, and you only get one year probation? I, well, I don't, I don't know if, like, he, like, you know, Actually, did that. It was more like sexual harassment. It was harassment, like, in, I didn't want to s- say it in this, but, like, he, like, fondled her and all that, like, really just, like, going up on, like, yeah. doing all that sort of stuff, but I don't know if it went as far as to, like, he, like, raped her like that. Yeah, I get you. It's, yeah. So. But wouldn't that be also a couple things? Because she's a minor, too. Mm-hmm, 15 years old. Yep. I mean, it was, there was a. That's just, like, a whole lot of checklists. It's like, 
one year, three years, two years. Just like, get this man off the street. Yes, sir. Yes. In 1994, he changed his name to Jack Daniel McCullough. Um, he would say to honor his deceased mother. So her maiden name was McCullough. So he, I don't know why he changed his name to Jack Daniel. Isn't that a drink? It's a whiskey, yeah. A whiskey? Just imagine that that was his reason. Like, ooh, Jack Daniel. And let's just throw in McCullough for my mom. I mean, I mean, to be fair, he probably did still think about the incident. Ooh, right. So it's like. Maybe changing his name. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I would have gone to someone that didn't start with a J still. A J, like, what? see, there's so many J's in this story. And he's like, what's going on? Mm-mm. So five decades later, and the town of Sycamore had still not forgotten about the terrible fate of Maria, with it being referred to as Sycamore's 9-11. So this is like a huge event for them. Like even more towards present day, I think we're now in like early 2000s. Mm-hmm. At this time, it's still like such a harsh like scar on their history. Yeah. I feel like 9-11's pushing a little bit, but I understand the sentiment. Yeah, well, like, for them. Like, yeah, the it, like the nation had... There was 9-11 for the nation, but, like, for them, they felt like... It just destroyed It was them. hard for them like that, yeah. According to Janet Tassier, John, one of John's half-sisters... Their mother, Eileen, would speak on her deathbed that would change the case. So, just remember that it's it's a cold case. Like, yeah, yeah. It's five decades later. They still haven't been able to find something. And their mom would speak that would change this forever. She would say, those two little girls and the one that disappeared, John did it. John did it. You have to tell someone. Janet believing that John was the one to have committed the crime. She also heard from her older sister that their mother had actually lied to investigators that he was home the night of the incident. Uh, So, like, remember in the beginning of the story, his sisters believed him to be his mother's favorite. So they're like... She's covering for him. Like, yeah. she knows that he did it, and she's covering for him. Yeah. So, just at her deathbed, she, like, feels guilty now. And she's like, he did it. I don't know. Uh, another sister. I mean, hmm? 50 years too late, but still. 50 years. Yeah. I don't, five decades is a little bit of a long time to wait. I can understand, like, by the end of the week. It's like, no, yeah, I did mess up, blah, blah, blah. But 50 years, and you're just going to be like, yeah, I messed up. I should probably tell someone now. Yeah, he really probably had to have been her favorite child to be able to do that. So he's like, what, 60, 55, something like that? I think he's in his 70s. 70s? Now oh, my Lord. At this, um, or 60s, 70s, around this time. A man lived a whole life. Yeah. Another sister, Mary Pat, was there with Janet at Eileen's deathbed, but had only heard their mother say he did it. She didn't hear the rest of it. Yet she came to the same understanding. It was alleged that John had once threatened uh, Janet's life with a gun and molested another sister. Jean, or Jeanne, um, I, di- I didn't get a pronunciation of her name. Um, I'm just going to go Jean. Jean, um, when she was a minor, so that he had molested Jean. He was estranged from the family um, by the time their mother had passed away and did not attend her funeral. I can only imagine. Yeah, he's like he's like the black sheep of the family. Just, just like doing awful things, so they didn't want to do anything with him. So I feel like after at least the mom, I understand she like covered for him. But if I knew you like killed a kid, it's like you're you're not allowed back. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to wait for you to rape the two other sisters or something like that. Yeah, I don't I don't know if the parents like knew that the uh what he had done to his sisters. It didn't say that uh they were aware, but they probably had to have been. There had to be signs. Yeah. 
I don't think he's trying to hide it all too well. Mm-hmm. So after uh, the claim that what their mother had made, uh, Janet made several attempts over the next 14 years, 14 years to get law enforcement to take her mother's statement seriously, but it came to no avail. In 2008, she made one more Hail Mary throw, emailing an Illinois state police tip line, finally managing to get the cold case reopened. Why would they be so... So... There's someone... There's someone claiming that this big case is like, hey, we have a deathbed confession... Come look at this. Especially if it was such a big case, why would they wait so long to reopen it? I think they just didn't really take that oh, take seriously? It seriously because was she doing um, it like anonymously? Well, like their mother was um, facing like serious like health conditions, and that um, she was like delirious and everything. So they believed that oh, it was probably just like just like some random thing that she said. It's there's probably no basis for it. She's under like so much like anesthesia or like so many drugs to help uh, at the hospital. So she doesn't know what she's saying. So they probably didn't really take it seriously because of that. I guess. But after like, if she tried for 15 years, I feel like after like year one, it's like, you know what? If she's trying this hard, let's at least give it a try. Yeah. But she finally managed. So, stories of John by his sisters were told of his sexual deviance towards them and that once he had given another woman a piggyback ride as a kid but refused to put her down until her father had to intervene. He likes piggyback rides for some reason. Looking into the timeline of the phone call at 6.57 p.m. and his meeting with recruiting officers at 7.15, Investigators determined that she had to have been kidnapped no later than 6.20. Police, you were going to say something? Um, so, how far away was the, like, the place you're supposed to be? You said 40 miles? It was 40 miles, so you can get there, like, well well within an hour. Um, so... Where was the body found? Around 100 miles away from Sycamore. But like, is it the same direction? Is it like some he could drop? Same off? direction. I didn't. I don't know. I didn't get that part. Triangulate. Triangulation. Police uh, had tried to get pictures of John from the 1957 Sycamore High School yearbook in hopes of having Kathy now, like aged. I think she's in like her mid fifty, later fifties, probably like sixty, maybe at this point. I would say fifty-eight. Yeah. to identify him but wasn't able to because he had been expelled Uh, they then managed to get a contemporary photo of him from a former girlfriend Kathy subsequently had identified him from it besides the picture the former girlfriend provided an unused military issued ticket for the train from Rockford to Chicago in December 1957 Police believe that John did not take the train during his trip, but instead had driven his car, giving him ample opportunity and time to drive to Sycamore, kidnap Maria, and drive back to Rockford, and then call his parents to come pick him up, because he didn't have his car. So, they didn't check if he was on the train, he just checked if he bought the ticket for the train. It was, yeah, it was unused. Why does she have it? I have no idea. It's an inter- I would interesting have thrown question. that away. If I, I'm... Burn it? No, she wasn't an accomplice. No, not her. I mean the ticket. The ticket? Oh, well, I don't know. Some Something probably happened that she ended up in the possession of it. Uh, a friend of his was located and recalled that John never let anyone drive his car, of which he had seen in Sycamore that afternoon. In 2011 of July, investigators brought John in for questioning. In the beginning, he was calm. He asked, or no, he talked with a softened voice every time he spoke of Maria, recalling her beauty and big brown eyes. 
Police found this disturbing as he spoke of how she was lovely, 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 like a little Barbie doll. Granted, this is now a 70-something-year-old man talking about a 7-year-old. A dead 7-year-old. Remembering a 7-year-old. Yep. Now, this is going into, like, some pedophilic shit right here. I would feel like the sexual harassment of, like, at least three minors before now. Mm Mm-hmm. How does that not, like, ring bells or something? Do they know about... They at least know about the one because he got... That's on his record. Well, that... Well, because it's so later on, like, he picked up that 15-year-old girl, like, 15 years later. So, it's so far removed from the date of the incident, and they had already, like, taken him off of their suspect list, that, like, okay, like, yeah, he committed a crime, like, 15 years later, or something around there. Um, They just, their their focus wasn't on him. Yeah, I guess. Mm. Yeah. But when faced with questions as to where he was that night, John became aggressive and refused to answer another question. After which, he was arrested for the kidnapping and murder of Maria and extradited to Illinois. The the place of the incident. Yeah, I guess he has to get trialed in the place yeah. that happened. A forensic anthropologist found that Maria was stabbed in the neck at least three times due to indentions found in her sternum and neck vertebrae. Other causes of death, such as strangulation, were not able to be investigated due to the composition of the body when it had been found. Do you know, um, what's the profession again? A forensic what? Forensic anthropologist. Do you know what that is? Not really. (laughs) So it's, um, if I remember correctly, push come to shove, it's basically like a bone bone scientist mm-hmm. so like if she got stabbed it probably nicked a part of the bone and that's how she's able to tell mm, look I mean, at you yeah. look at you being smart <laughs> it's also just watched a lot of bones that's a the TV show? show yeah that's what the main character is. oh no i never watched that it's a good show it's like 723 seasons or something I heard it was pretty good like it was very popular for the time uh decalb C- county state's attorney clay campbell led the prosecution and formally charged John with the aforementioned charges. In September 2012, at the trial, the prosecution argued that John was infatuated with Maria and had chosen to kidnap her, but would later come to murder her. They suspected him of molestation, but were unable to prove it, so it was never brought up in court. Family members, neighbors, law enforcement, and Kathy testified during the trial, Kathy proving to be key having identified him as the mysterious Johnny some 50 years ago. Three inmates jailed along with Johnny also testified that John had spoken about killing Maria. Wait, he went to jail? So they arrested him and he's like in jail. For the So charges. on the way to the murder trial, he's bragging about how he killed no, him. No, 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 no. So he's arrested for the charges, but the trial still has to be... Yeah. State. He's yeah. they're not gonna let him be free if they are charging him with the stuff, so he's yeah. in jail during this time. Yes. So he's with inmates at this time in jail. And he's talking to the inmates while waiting for his trial. Yes. Well they testified that John had spoken about killing Maria, but their stories proved inconsistent and failed to match evidence. Mm. So I th- it it was it's kinda of believed that they were testifying uh kind of like to reduce their sentences yeah you know mm-hmm. but it was nothing matched the defense made the claim that it that was so much pressure placed upon them police were influenced to indict john even though there was no physical evidence motive or even indication that he was in the area during the kidnapping On September 4th, though, 2012, John was convicted of the kidnapping and murder of Maria and received a life sentence without the possibility of parole after, or with the possibility of parole after 20 years. He He, was 73 years old at the time of sentencing. I don't think he's making it 20 years. Nope. In 2015, John, by himself, 
uh, filed a petition for post-conviction relief asking that his conviction be set aside but was initially dismissed as frivolous and without merit. His public defender, even though like the case had ended, had continued to investigate and remained in contact with John and asked the court to reconsider. They managed to successful, successfully file a motion. Richard Schmack took the place of Clay Campbell's position. Um, so Clay Campbell was like the lead prosecutor and everything. He was the DeKalb County. Was he the prosecutor or the defendant? He was the state attorney, but he led the prosecution. Okay. Um, but Richard Schmack took his place um, and reviewed the evidence. He concluded that there was no way John could have committed the crime and was, in fact, innocent. According to Richard, Richard Schmack, key evidence was left out of the trial that was able to establish John's whereabouts. Phone records indicated that he had made a call to his mother Eileen in downtown Rockford instead of Sycamore. Considering the timing, distance, and that there had been rough icy conditions on the road, John could not have possibly been able to make it to Sycamore by the time of Maria's disappearance. Do they keep video logs, or was it just like, oh, this person with this name called at this time? Guess I'm guessing it used to be, I forgot what it was, back when he had telephones, he's like, you have a collect call from, then like you'd say your name. Yeah, it was a collect call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you could easily just be like hey i'll give you 20 bucks and just give it to a homeless guy <laughs> yeah <you> get- <laughs> i wouldn't call that solid evidence yeah um a new trial was ordered on april 15th 2016 by judge william p brady john was released on bond that day in wait for the trial a week later the judge dropped the charges They were dropped without prejudice, though, meaning that he could be retried if a a prosecutor wanted to do so. So, you know, like one of the um, amendments, like there's no double jeopardy, so he can't be Mm -hmm. tried multiple times. Um, In this case, he can be because, like, without prejudice. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Because I knew you could fight against it, despite if you got a guilty verdict. Yeah, um, an appeal. You could appeal it. Mm-hmm. But even after appeal, I guess that would make it where, oh, new evidence, you actually did it, get back in. Yeah, well, like, there's this um, there's this one story that I've heard that um, this woman um, managed to kill her husband and was tried for his murder, but she was declared innocent Um but it was later found out that she actually did do it. Uh, kill him, but they couldn't retry her, so she was she got off scot free. I've heard something where like or or um she, she the would... O. J. Simpson or something like that. He didn't he didn't he write a book about um how I out... killed my wife or something like that or something? I think that was just an attention grabber. It was like if I did it, this is how I would do it. Things along those lines. Yeah, but you know, like in cases like that, these people get off scot-free. But in this case, he could be retried. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the ruling was postponed by request from Charles Riddle, Maria's brother, uh, along with hundreds of sig- signatures from Sycamore residents for a special prosecutor to be appointed. On August 5th, 2016, 2016 the motion was denied charles uh stating that he would not appeal it john was declared innocent of the crime by the dekalb county circuit court on april 12 2017 and the person to or if it wasn't john the person to have uh committed the crime has still yet to be found oh that's the end that is the end they, there's, there's no official murderer in this case now. I'm still saying you get paid off a homeless guy to say that. With the phone operation? Yeah. 
Well, no, they like have records. Uh, they have with, records. The phone operator like records it. Well, that's like what I was a, asking earlier. Yeah. Well, like they, so you can't bribe well, that probably. She doesn't record everything, do they? Well, I don't really know about that time with phone operators. I would have to ask. They didn't uh, have the storage for all that. I thought it was just wires. It's like the it was wires. Wire like take one out, put it in, yeah. do the appropriate thing. And I think they like they record the transaction. The, the yeah, the transaction or something like that. But well, I'm sure back then they probably. Yeah, I guess they might. Like not everything was on paper, lost. so the, yeah, like I said, that's probably like a tedious job. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is probably what's your name already. Where are you coming from? All right. Then you plug it into whoever he's calling. Well, he was saying, well, if he's calling his parents, he has to tell his operator, oh, it's John Tassier. I'd like to speak speak with Eileen uh, Tassier and Ralph Tassier. Like I'm there. Um, and so she would, or whoever the phone operator would direct that call and say like, John Tassier is speaking or something like that. Yes. But they don't know what he sounds like. Oh, yeah. And it's but... not like the mom didn't know. If he called his mom, mm-hmm. gave the homeless guy a message, be like... The homeless guy? Where are yeah. you getting a homeless guy from? You pay someone off to make the phone call. That's what I'm saying. Oh. That's what I've been trying to get at this oh. whole time. You pay the uh, someone to make a phone call or a friend. Because the mom already knows, so she's the one that picks up the phone. Mm-hmm. You got a solid record there. There's an unused ticket, which means he wasn't bound by the time schedule of the train. So the only thing that might be kind of off is him talking to the officers. But I'm going to put a hole in your in your theory. He called his parents to come pick him up. Who said that? Him or the parents? Uh, I think both. To come pick him up. Because he, he didn't have his car. And considering, like, the roads were icy, um, he had, and, like, and his timing, just, like, being at the um, recruitment, like, office. Yeah. It's just the whole timing. He, like, he probably did it. Like, I don't know. But just to be, like, kind of, like, devil's advocate, you know, like, he most likely just didn't have the time because of the conditions. If he had his car... To be able to go to Sycamore, kidnap and kill Maria, make his way back, probably dispose of her body, even though it was found a hundred miles away, and have his parents pick him up. So he didn't need to... Okay, so he didn't need to... He could have killed her, blah, 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 and just brought the body with him. Uh It's a small child. You can fit in many places. A suitcase, things along those lines. Yeah. He could have dumped it later. The only thing he needs time for is to go there, do all that stuff, then go. Yeah, it's just a big thing because, like, a big defense was the icy road conditions and, like, other it's factors Illinois with the, the phone for those, call. Though. Hmm? That's Illinois to prepare for icy conditions. Well, it's 1960 at the time. Exactly. They got the good cars back then. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying that he didn't do it. He probably did, but. I still think in, he needs to be in jail, though, even if he didn't do it. Well, that's the law. That's the that's our justice system for you. In the eyes of the law, he did not do it. Maybe. And the murderer is still yet to be caught. Hmm. So yeah, that is our story about um, the cold case of Maria Rudolph. What an interesting one. Yeah. What an interesting one. You got me at the end though. I didn't, I thought they were gonna be like, oh no, they retrialed again, and he actually did it. Yep. But you never know. He could. Oh, wait. No, he was declared innocent. So. Yeah. Can't be. So. That's. That's a interesting story that we have here. But. I'm glad for to listening. Saying that, telling the story. Thanks for listening. Um, stay safe. Stay safe. And this has been In the First Degree. See you later.